Well, welcome to the Gateway Mission podcast. Yes, I am a different voice today than your typical Steve Rusticus, um, who normally hosts this podcast. I'm guest hosting today, and my name is Rachel Neal, and I'm the development director here at Gateway Mission. And I am super excited to do the next in our series of podcasts, an episode called Where Are They Now?, Um, And when we started this podcast, we really, um, one of our desires was we really wanted to have former graduates or people who had um, experienced the services and the ministry at Gateway Mission um, to come on and give us an update on where they are. And so today I have my friend Rob Grunewald here with me, and um, Rob has agreed to kind of give us an update on not only where is he now, but how was your journey at, I guess at the time, Holland Rescue Mission, now Gateway Mission, um, influential in that journey? So um, yes, Rob, when Rob was here with his wife, Sharon, um, it was Holland Rescue Mission. So Rob has already said, hey, I may make the mistake of saying Holland Rescue Mission. Yeah, and that's okay. So um, Rob, will you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? We've already said your name, but who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I was born actually in the Netherlands. So oh, you now, were? Yeah. So now that I'm in Holland, I feel like I'm home. I did not I, know yes, that. Yes. I was 10 months old when we came here. Wow. That's so, awesome. So, and last time I was back, I was 13, I think. So okay. it was a little while ago. But so you're um, you're 100% Dutch. 100%. My parents right. were born and raised there. My sister was born there. Okay. And we moved here when I was 10 months old. Wow. So I remember it vividly. Okay. <laughs> Not really <laughs> at 10 months old. It was a long journey for you. It was a long journey. So <laughs> okay. um but yeah, I grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. So as a Christian reformed. Mm-hmm. And so um that it was a great life. Um Growing up, I grew up in the church, went to Christian schools until ninth grade. Then I went to Kalamazoo Central and graduated there. Okay. Um, my kids like to think that I went to school with Derek Jeter, but he was much younger than me. And oh, really? <laughs> I didn't, we went to the same school, but not at the same time. Okay, okay. Um, but I remember as they were growing up, when I grew past, it's like, there's your school with Derek Jeter. It's like, no, not quite. Not quite. So when did you meet Sharon? Oh, shoot. Okay. Okay. Hopefully they can. If not, oh well. Um, we're too still. So when did you meet Sharon? We met on a blind date, um, and back in 1988, and I knew the day I met her that um, she was the one. Um, we met in the parking lot of Red Lobster in Kalamazoo. Love at first sight at Red love Lobster. Love at first sight at Red <laughs> Lobster. And I proposed six weeks later. You did. I did. I actually bought the ring two weeks after I met her. Oh, But my I waited goodness. six weeks. So, and now we've been married uh, 32 years. October will be 33 years. That's awesome. Congratulations. So, and how you. many kids do you have? We have four kids, three girls and a boy. Uh, all three girls are married. The boy is not. 
Okay. My son is not, although we are looking for him. You're looking <laughs> for him? We're looking for him. Okay. And so we just had our first grandchild a month ago. A month congrats. ago today. So. Oh, that's wonderful. So yep. you've entered grandparenthood. Yep. Well, I am Opa. You are Opa. 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 I love that. Yep. Well, so now that we know a little bit about you, at least personally, I would love for you to share a little bit about what brought you to Holland Rescue Mission when you came to us. Do you remember the year that you were here? It was September of 2013. Okay. So nine, coming up on nine years ago. Uh, yep. Does it feel like that long? It doesn't. It went by fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, share a little bit about your journey leading up to coming to the mission. So I was raised in a home that we always, that my parents always had alcohol in the, in the house, but mm -hmm. I never, ever saw them drunk. Okay. Um, so they never, it was always a nightcap here and there. And, and so I, I want to emphasize that in no way, shape or form, did they really have anything to do with me becoming the person okay. that I, well, okay. the way I was. Sure. But, um, I remember having my first alcoholic drink when I was 14 years old. Oh, wow. They, they allowed me to. In your home. At my home. Okay. And so then it was just here and there and it, i remember it was rum and coke and it was of course mm -hmm. more coke than maybe a little splash of rum and okay. that was it was it a taste or a full drink i think drink? that was no that was just a taste okay for, for me yeah. it's just yeah one of the adult things to do and, sure okay and so it was never a big deal um and then it was only maybe now and then they would allow me to have one but not very often mm -hmm. but then as i grew up and went to high school once i got into the public school system and got away from my Christian friends and stuff, it became more of a, let's go to a party, you know, got involved. Mm -hmm. I was a, on the swim team and the swimmers is like, we're going to have a party at my house. And, mm -hmm. and the parents always knew we were drinking and stuff. And it was always, if you're driving, you, st st you we got couch, you know, okay. stay, you don't, you're not going home. That's it. So, so parents were supportive. Parents were supportive. Mm -hmm. um, my parents were always supportive. Um, so it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Um, that wasn't a big deal. But then when I graduated high school in 1981, I moved to Grand Rapids to go to ITT Tech. Okay. And my I wasn't of age yet, but my roommates, of course, were. And, mm. and then it was a lot of binge drinking. Okay. Um, and it was always take it or leave it for me. And, and it, that's the way it was for a long, long time. So okay. from 14 up until I can't even tell you how old. Okay. But once I met Sharon, it was an occasional drink again, like maybe family parties, you know, family reunion mm -hmm. when I was home. And when we got married, um, started out never having it in the house. It was only when we went to visit my parents, we might have a nightcap, but that mm -hmm. was it. Okay. And never anything. But then after a while, after a year or two, um, I asked Sharon if I could bring it in the house. And she was okay mm -hmm. with it because then it was only... A, a nightcap. Sure. We call it Boodleteat. Okay. It was like uh, just like a nightcap. Is that it was, a Dutch? It was a Dutch thing. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. I haven't heard that phrase before. Yep. Okay. And so then she actually made a comment at one point. I can't tell you how much longer it was, but it's like, how come there's more whiskey going? By this time, it was whiskey and usually Seven Up. How come there's more whiskey going in the cup than Seven Up? It's like, mm. oh, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. Yeah. And but it was always still take it or leave it. But I was still drinking to get drunk okay um and did that change 
at a certain point. And or... I can't even tell you when it changed. It I'm was only... just a, such a gradual thing. I'm only that's what I was asking because I feel like um there was a there's been the seasons of time throughout, you know, Christian circles where mm-hmm. any alcohol at all was very taboo and it's more widely accepted now. And I just I'm always curious when does it go from I'm drinking casually and enjoying this drink and that's part of my freedom as a believer to mm-hmm. do that to now I'm doing it with the intent to get drunk and to cope with something or it, just to get drunk. I, it took me a long time to realize I was trying to cope with something. Mm, okay. um, it was long into our marriage um, that, that it was, I realized it's like, well, I, it came to, I want to have a drink. I need to have a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it got to the point that we built our own house and in Otsego, Michigan. Okay. Um, when we got married, we moved to Otsego and we were going to Otsego Baptist then. Mm-hmm. And so I, it was still take it or leave it. But once we built the house, it's, I had my garage, I had my shop and I was doing other things on the side. Sharon was able to be a stay at home mom. I was making a good living as a, as a meat cutter then. Mm-hmm. And but then I was buying, instead of buying a fifth alcohol, I would buy a half gallon. Okay. So I would have more in the house. Yeah. And then I would find reasons to go out to my shop because then I always had a bottle hidden out there. Okay. And I could have more. And we wound up losing that house to mm. foreclosure because I was spending my money. We were basically keeping up with the Joneses. Okay. Um, spending money. It's like somebody else got a new car. We had to get a new car. Mm. After a while, we got foreclosed on. Um. So then... I think I started drinking more then, but it wasn't until probably five or six years before we came to the mission. Um, so before 2013, I'm just yeah. throwing out some dates estimate, yeah. that now I have to have a drink at, in the morning before I go to work. Oh, okay. Because I was starting to have some withdrawals because I haven't had anything since last night. Okay. So then I would have the drink and then I'd go to work and I'd be fine. But then Mm -hmm. I had to have something when I came home. Um, Eventually, um, I I was working at Meyer and I lost my job after 22 years. I lost my Mm -hmm. job there because of attendance. And I, um, it wasn't, I was missing work. I was constantly late because things happening at home. Um, Stressing. By this time we had lost our home, different points we lived in somebody's basement uh we lived in hotels uh we were able to stay in an apartment for about seven years before we got evicted from there okay um so i mean it was a lot of different things yeah and um my sister at one point told sharon that she should divorce me um Mm. they were everybody was telling me um you need to go for treatment so i'd go for treatment but i always made it that was making other people happy. Mm. And then so I'd go for a weekend treatment because at least back then you go to a treatment center, unless you were chronic, you'd, it was like a three day just to sober up and they'd send you on your way again. Mm-hmm. I would go to AA to make people happy. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it for everybody else. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, we were still going to church and at church, I was trying to hide it. Um, even if I had a drink before church, I would throw in a mint. I would eat a mint. Okay. You know, it's like people, well, we think we smell alcohol. It's like, no, you must smell the mint. Uh, you must smell the mint. And, um, how did you feel when they questioned you? 
like that at church? Um, Were you angry or? Well, it's like, I think it was more like, how can I get away with it that they don't catch me? Okay. So you weren't really necessarily convicted by it? No, I wasn't. It's like, I, the alcohol was more important. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was just, it was part of my life Yeah, and Sharon knew it and she would find. Was was she drinking at the time? No. Okay. Okay. There was a time that she had, might have like a, um, wine cooler here and there, Mm -hmm. but you know, you buy it back then. I, I assume they're still the same, but a four pack. Sure. And she would have one. I have the other three before she had the one done. Okay. Yeah. So. So it was just a gradual. It was, it started out gradual. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I, I'd lost my job at Meyer, And then I, I got a temp job at a egg factory, hated it, but, um, it was a job. It was a paycheck mm-hmm. and it still got me booze got me my alcohol yeah. and yeah. it still paid some bills um so it was it was pretty bad it yeah. was it was pretty bad and then i went from that job to another job um i was at the egg factory for about four months and i hated it mm-hmm. and uh but i was able to get another job that was a really good job and it was in a label factoring label uh, making factory okay and and but it was 12-hour shifts and I could not make it through a twelve-hour shift. Um, I was would be the operator assistant, and with printing labels, you would have to mount these plates on okay. these cylinders. And they would sometimes you'd have um, different colors, and these plates would have to roll on top of each other. So you have to mount those plates exact. Okay. And the only way I could do that is if I would run out to my car and have a quick drink, um, because my hands would get shaky after okay. you know six hours. Yeah. The alcohol is wearing off. Mm-hmm. Well, after about two years, I got caught Okay. and lost my job. Um, of course, I denied it. You know, I wasn't drinking. It's like, well, sure. we're sending you to get tested. It's like, well, <laughs> I yeah. guess I'm busted. Yeah. So I lost my job there. Then um, it just was to the point we couldn't live off savings after a little while. And we were getting we were um, renting a mobile home that was right on the outskirts of it was between Atsigo and Allegan. Mm-hmm. And we were going to get evicted. And that's when we found out about Holland Rescue Mission. Okay. And How did you hear? Church or? We needed to find some place to live. Our, okay. Our family was not going to take us in. Yep. We couldn't okay. find, we didn't have any money for a hotel. We didn't, we had nothing. Yeah. We, and so we, mm. it was between uh, Kalamazoo Gospel Mission and Holland Rescue Mission. Okay. And it just so happened that Kalamazoo Gospel Mission was full. They said, really? if you come here, you'll have to sleep in the hallway until a room opens up. Wow. Okay. So we called Island Rescue Mission. And that's when we found out there was, at that time, there was, it was uh, called Family Hope. Mm-hmm. And then the Men's Mission. Yep. And they said, well, we do have a wing for married people, but you, that's only for people in the program. Yeah. So we wound up, we came here and um, so Sharon dropped me off at the men's mission mm-hmm. and I was, I got to backtrack just a minute because this would have been September 15th, 2013. Okay. The reason I remember that is that we were packing up our stuff to go into storage and 
I finished off my last bottle knowing that once we came to the mission, I could not drink. Wow. So I finished off my bottle and Sharon had gone to, our beds were probably packed up by now because she went to go get some sleep. And I waited a few hours. I thought, okay, we have a van full of stuff. I'll wait till I sober up and I'll take stuff to storage. On the way to storage, I got pulled over for a broken headlight. Wow. It was like one o'clock in the morning. I was in eyesight of the, of the storage unit. And I pulled into the, into a store parking lot and the cop said, well, I smell alcohol on you. I said, well, I had a drink a few hours ago, but I said, that was a while ago. And so he said, well, can I do a sobriety test? I said, sure. You know, I felt yeah. great. I yeah. didn't feel, you didn't feel like, drunk. No, not mm-hmm. at all. And, um, so he did all the tests and he said, well, let me do the breathalyzer. And I don't remember what I blew, but it was over the limit. Wow. And we have this van full of stuff that he says, do you know anybody that you could call to pick, come get it for you? He said, I really don't want to put that, put you through that. Cause I was very cooperative with a police officer. Sure. And, um, it's like, so I called our pastor from our church, woke him up. He came, he didn't live very far away. He came mm-hmm. and he gave me a hug. This is, I still have to back up again. I'm sorry. Um, because of my alcohol abuse, and I had been arrested one other time for a DUI, but that was many years before. But the church found out about it. Um, I went through church discipline. Mm-hmm. I was voted out of membership mm-hmm. from the church. and But I still didn't care back then. Sure. Because alcohol was still... Alcohol was, was your ba- god, right? My I little, mean, little your, G god, yeah, yes. Your little, your, yeah. And um, so I had called him and he came and he gave me a hug. Wow. And he took care of our car stuff. And of course, I got arrested. I was taken to Allen County Jail. And this is when you're getting ready to getting come, ready to to come here. For getting help. ready to come here. Wow. N- not even for, I'll get into that yet. Okay. Getting okay. someplace to live. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got arrested, and that was an overnight stay. And so I called Sharon the night when I was going to be let out. And she says, okay. She said, there's a group of guys here finishing up, packing up now, and they're going to take it to storage. And, of course, she was really mad. I <laughs> so would I said, so. <laughs> I said, I'll be home in a, or be there in a couple hours. Said, yeah, I got to walk. Mm-hmm. So I started walking, and then our pastor showed up as I'm walking down the street, and he picked me up. Wow. And then the guys finished taking our stuff to storage, and we came here, and I – very possibly could have still had a little buzz on okay. when I came here. Okay. I don't know, possibly, yeah. but. Um, but she that, dropped you off at the men's She dropped me off at the men's downtown. mission. And okay. she went to men's, or the women's mission, Family Hope. Okay. And so I did all the paperwork and did all that. And then we found out about the program. Mm-hmm. Like, well, otherwise we could have only stayed for so long. Yeah. So I said, okay, I guess. I'll go through the, you know, make people happy until we can get out of here. Right. That's all. That was my only goal right. is to make people happy. So even at that time, because we, that's how we operate similarly now mm-hmm. is um, emergency shelters. I mean, today it's a 14 day stay. Mm-hmm. And then um, that's our open door shelter. And okay. then if you go into, there's the pathway program, which is get a job, save your money, mm-hmm. move out, um, do levels of accountability um, about four months, but then the gateway addictions program is nine months. Okay. So at the time it was probably more like a 20 day stay. Maybe I don't remember what it was, it but was we short. got introduced yeah. pretty, pretty quickly to the okay. program. Okay. 
and back then it was uh the first part of the program was six months mm -hmm. and then you could continue for another six months if you wanted to yeah and so we said well we're just going to go for the six month one okay and at this point i'm still doing stuff to make people happy okay um Keep the peace, right? Keep the peace. Mm -hmm. I, I got to do what I got to do. Um, I have been sober before for six months. I can do it again in, you know, probably six months in a day. I can yeah. have another bottle. Who knows? Right. Yeah. I didn't. I wasn't thinking that far you ahead just yet. You weren't thinking long-term Like, I'm thinking though. right now of our yeah. family. Yep. Okay. So then... And did you... Sorry to interrupt, but did you... You came into the shelter with all four of your children? Oh, I'm sorry. We had... Um, because of all our moving around... Our oldest daughter was staying with some friends in Plainwell. Okay. They opened up their home to her. Okay. And our second oldest daughter was going to college at Grand Valley. Okay. So you had your younger two. So we had two. two, our two younger ones. Okay. Our son um, was a senior at Otsego High School. Wow. And our daughter was a junior in Allegan. She had did want a school of choice and she yep. asked to go to Allegan. And okay. we were able to work it out because of where we lived. Yeah. So when we decided to do the, when we first got here, for the first week or so, um, since the kids were with Sharon, she would just drive them to school. She'd get up early in the morning, drive them wow. to Otsego and Plainwell. Yeah. And we still, we had a little money in savings so we could sure. handle the gas. But then when we decided to join the program, mm -hmm. we sat down with the kids with tears because um, we have wonderful kids. You, I've and, met them. You do. And Garrett, our son, um, He's the best son in the world, mm. but he has a hard, little harder time making friends. Once mm -hmm. he's a friend, he's a friend for life. Yeah. So we hated to say, you might have to come to Holland. Mm -hmm. We don't know how to get you back and forth to school, even though it's your senior year. Yeah. And so we went to um, Calvary Baptist Church one day mm -hmm. and the first time wasn't sorry calvary the first time wasn't the best experience oh no but garrett for some reason wasn't with us we okay. loved the service sure. we loved the singing we loved everything but at that point nobody even greeted us so sorry. the but, so but things have long, changed but you're long time members <laughs> okay. now so we are we are so is, I, I have to be try. honest so because this is how we got <laughs> sure. there so then the we went the second week because we knew there was a youth group and we wanted the kids to get involved with the youth group. Sure. The second week was awesome. It was, people greeted us, they, and it was fantastic. Yeah. So, so give them a church's second chance, Give them right? some grace. Yeah, so, okay, okay. So, um, well, I grew up there, so I, I have similar feelings. Okay. Yeah, so good church. it really is. We're still going there. Yeah. So, but, um, so when we decided to join the program, we were actually on the way to church. To, I think we were taking the kids to youth group, and we had prayed about it. It's like, Lord, we really want to keep them in their schools, but we don't know how to do it. Yeah. And we had in, in contact with the school. It's like, what can we do right. with transportation? And it's like, we don't know what to do. And um, on the way to church, got a phone call, and Hi, my name's Ryan. I will. I am a teacher at Allegan. I will be picking your kids up for school in the morning. That's great. And they had it arranged for this teacher lived in Holland, and so he. But he taught in Allegan. He would drop the. So Brittany went to Allegan. Garrett would. It was going to the tech center. 
So he'd okay. get a ride to the tech center from Allegan. From, from tech center, he went to finish off school in, at Seagull. And they allowed him to leave a little early to catch a bus back to Allegan. Okay. And then he had a ride back home with that same teacher. That's awesome. And then it turned out that he was a coach for, I believe, basketball. So he said, we're going to have an issue there. There was a second teacher that took over. That's great. And then um, once we got in the mission, uh, we met other people and um, a guy that's a volunteer at the men's mission quite often, Gary. Yeah. Um, he, he, I befriended him while, because I, I, my workstation back then was in the kitchen. Okay. And he came, he, he said, let me go pick Brittany up. She was in sports. She had practiced today. Uh, let me go get her for yeah. you. Yeah. And so it just, Dude, God just worked everything out. Your kids really found a community. I mean, I think that's heartbreaking to hear. I'm sure as a dad, it was heartbreaking to tell your kids, you know, junior we were, and senior year, we're moving into a shelter. We were in tears. Yeah. I was in tears because I, it was really, it was my fault. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I took all the blame because yeah. it, it was all my fault. Right. So when you got to the mission and you joined the program, I mean, you said initially, I thought six months in a day mm -hmm. and then I can have another bottle. Yep. So how long before the Lord started to work in your heart and reveal, Hey, this is going to be longer than six months in a day. Well, so my last drink. So I say my sobriety day is September 15th, 2013. Okay. That's when that was my last drink. Yeah. Um, ever, ever. Okay. So praise God. And I just remember, um, having urges, strong urges. Mm -hmm. It's like, I want to go out. I just want to go out and have it. You know, and there was enough freedom that I could probably, well, I know I could have gone out and got something, but if you get caught, that's, that's it. it. You're out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at least back then. Yeah. Um, I assume if you're on the program, it might be the same way now, but we take sobriety I, very yeah, seriously I, yeah. for and, good um, reason. So I remember texting somebody, I just want to drink. I just want to drink. Mm -hmm. And, and, then the urge went away that time. But mm -hmm. then later on, it's like, I can't do this by myself. I just mm -hmm. can't. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I can't give you a date. It had to be sometime in October, but I just gave it to God. I said, I yeah. can't do it. Yeah. And I haven't had urge since. That's amazing. Um, now there's a difference between urge and there's, I would love to go out for, have a beer with I'm sorry, yeah. Rachel. Yeah. You know, I'm not yeah. saying you drink, but I, no. you know, man, yeah, I'd love I to just go out and have, you yeah. know, go out by the lake and yeah. have a beer. Well, no, I can't. Right. <laughs> but don't you think it's, um, I think it's pretty incredible that God reveals that to some of us. I mean, at, we were talking before we started recording mm -hmm. that, you know, addiction doesn't just have to be to a substance. I mean, people are addic addicted to all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. And to understand our limits in the freedom that Christ gives us. I mean, um, you know, there are believers who can go out and have a beer at the lake. And oh, absolutely. I believe that they can do that um, and not dishonor God. Uh, but there are those that say, I can't, and I know myself mm -hmm. and I know my limits and I can't do that. Um, and you've, God was gracious to, to bring that revelation to you, right? Pretty oh, early on. Yeah. So then tell me um, about, so you journeyed through the program and um, Sharon and the kids are along for the ride, but I don't think I've talked with Sharon. I don't think that she was a passive 
participant in your journey through the program. I think she was pretty active and experienced some change herself. And you don't have yeah. to she, share her story, but she decided right away that if I was going to do the program, that she was too. So she went through the program, although she did not have addictions. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we all have our own personal absolutely um, demons. Would that be the right word? Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know. Sin, yeah. Right? Like so, the effects of sin. I mean, we all struggle. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so she decided to go through and mm -hmm. it was, I think it was kind of eye opening for her too, because um, being with women that she's not, wasn't used to. Sure. Um, you know, so she was grew up in a very not strict home, but in a in a small town. Sure. Yeah, everybody knew everybody's business, and everybody knew where where Sharon came from. You know, she mm -hmm. um, so um, yeah. So yeah, she decided to to join the program too. And from what mm -hmm. I remember, we were the first married couple to actually graduate the program. I believe so. Yeah. So that was yeah. So did you graduate a year later then? Yep. And so that would have been around September 2014? 2014. Okay. Um, but by that time, we we had established ourselves, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, we didn't, I don't think we were, they didn't really know what to do with us as a married couple, sure. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> um, at, yeah. You know, to go through, keep going through the program. Right. Um, right. So we were up in that, in the wing for quite a while actually okay. and okay. once we graduated after a year they said well you can move out and yeah. i don't remember who i went to um but i went to staff and i said i don't think i'm ready okay yeah i don't think i'm ready to go out in the world because yeah. i i knew where i was before sure. and I, I said i can we stay i said can mm -hmm. we get into um transitional housing and sure. there were the apartments there and we had to wait a little while yet okay for an apartment yeah. And I was so glad we were able to do that. And that was such a blessing mm -hmm. um, because we had a garage there that yeah. I set a shop in. Nice. And well, it was nice, but it also kind of, I don't know if it was really PSTD or what P PTS PTSD. PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but going in the garage and I had set up a workbench and everything. It's like, yeah. wow. You know, they, know, this is what I used to do. I used yes. to go in the shop to do stuff so I could drink. And I don't know how to do this without alcohol. Right. right. It's like, so I think that a, that is sometimes maybe the hidden journey that some people uh, who go through our program and also other programs that other people don't realize is that you do have to relearn to do things differently without alcohol. When alcohol yeah. has been such a presence in your life. You, I hear others, I've had friends that are sober tell me, you know, I had to learn how to socialize differently. Mm -hmm. All the people that I hung out with, they wanted to drink or, you know, we go to events and you get a beer or, you know, it was just, it seemed like when I got sober, this is a friend, alcohol was everywhere and I had to relearn how to do my life differently. See, I didn't have that so much except with family and then sure. family, like with when I would go home, my parents wouldn't have anything. It's like, they put you know, it away. Yeah, they, they didn't need it. Right. You know, they just, right. so, um, but you it had wasn't to relearn how to do the garage. I, that was right? a biggie. That was the biggest thing for me right there. So then what was it like transitioning when you got a job then after, after coming to the mission and getting sober? Because one of the things that you mentioned was you didn't realize that you were drinking to cope, but that was kind of part of your 
experience in the program and what God revealed to you, what were you coping with? Was it just stress or? I don't know, really. I mean, at at a point, you know, once you're homeless, now that's a whole different it is. ball game because now it's like, oh, how am I going to pay the electric bill? How am I going to yeah. get groceries for my family? How am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. And um, but I always had money for the alcohol. Yeah. Interesting. So, That's interesting. Yeah. Somehow I always found money for that. Yeah. Well, well, we find money for what we prioritize, right? right? Yep. Um. So then you graduate. You move into transitional housing, you get a job, you're an active member of a church. Fast forward to today. What what's going on with Rob and Sharon and your kids today? Well, just a month ago we became grandparents. That's opened awesome. Oma. So we're excited about that. That's so, awesome. Um it's it's fun. It's expensive. It's Sharon likes to go buy new clothes and look what I found for the baby. It's like, oh, but wait, is it a boy or a girl? B- little boy, little boy, and so the name is Elliot Tate. Elliot Tate. Oh, I love that. So okay, so that's that's fun. Yeah, um, we haven't seen them a lot. We've been kind of staying back a little bit. Yeah. So we give them their space. Yeah. Because you know, of course. Uh, grandparents and friends and everybody else oh, yeah. wants to come so it's a lot of excitement but, for a new new set of parents so, right yep well that's awesome so that's great but um i'm working in maintenance slash janitorial at shoreland container awesome and loving it okay um, i started my own little thing with deer processing uh-huh. come deer season so i enjoy doing that okay uh sharon just well, I, since this is going to be sent out later, oh, yeah. she It'll was just found out today that they are they offered her a job where she okay. was a temp in the office where I work. That's so, great. Um, so she's excited about that. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So, but um, through the mission, we were able to save up enough money to get a house. Mm-hmm. We were able to connect with the other people and other churches too to learn yeah. different programs through the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to get to a house. Mm-hmm. So we're loving that. That's um, great. How important has community been to your continued, I don't want to say success in life, because I know that you would give the glory to God for the transformation that you've experienced. And and I do want you to speak to that a little bit more, because I know that your relationship with the Lord is the driving force in keeping your marriage together and and really allowing you to move forward the way that you've been able to. But how important has your church community been? Oh, it's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, when we went that night for the first night to take the kids to the youth group, um, Pastor Paul Davis, mm-hmm. uh, we had just basically met that morning. Okay. Um, and he, we walked in, we dropped the kids off at the youth hall at Calvary. Yeah. And we walked in and we saw him. It's like, well, what time does the night service start? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, we don't have a night service, but we have community groups. And, oh, by the way, he knew our first and last names, which was impressive. Oh, to he know, did? I couldn't okay. believe that. It's like, how do you know our one thing? First names, but last yeah. name? Come on. Yeah. But um, he said, it just so happens that we have a group downstairs. So we went downstairs and um, at first, you know, we just said, well, we just moved to Holland and we live over off Lincoln. Okay. We didn't say where we were. Yeah. And we didn't really tell our story. We just moved here. and Yeah. And we didn't say anything and nobody pried. I, okay. I, I don't know if they knew something or mm-hmm. what. It didn't matter. And then after a few weeks of that community group, it's like, okay, this is where we're at. Yeah. 
and they just embraced us. That's awesome. And prayed for us. And mm -hmm. once we started the program, we weren't making any money. We couldn't afford insurance on the van. We couldn't mm -hmm. afford gas. Uh, they always offered rides. Wow. Let's pick you up. Let's we have something. Let us pick you up. Can you go out for dinner? We just talked yeah. to staff. It's like, can we get a pass? And we were able to get a pass to yeah. go out at night. And so mm -hmm. um, we couldn't have done it without community. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, we hear that a lot. Um, that's one of the things we try to communicate um, to our donors that we really put a huge effort in to create community here at mm -hmm. Gateway Mission for our guests. Because so many people come in and they have, no relationships with family. They've burned all those bridges. Yep. They, their friends are tired or they're gone, um, tired of helping them. And so trying to create that community for people, but also stressing that we can't be your community mm -hmm. for life. You've got to make that community connection outside of here. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. without, you need to get to some sort of church, mm -hmm. um, a Bible believing church i mean yeah. that's all there is to it yeah and you can't be afraid to share right you can't um, you gotta open up that vulnerability is what creates community and trust and you have to realize that everybody sins everybody yeah. does daily yeah. yeah and whether it's alcohol whether it's drugs whether it's porn whether it's being on your phone too long mm -hmm. you know there's everybody or whatever i yeah. mean there's so many things that people can be addicted to yeah and the community helps yeah. and being able to text somebody hey pray for me right i'm struggling right now yeah that accountability is huge i mean we all need it we always don't always want it but we need it yes so what would you say rob to maybe the individual that's listening today that um can relate to some aspect of your story i mean you've i think you're very relatable i mean you grew up in the church, you had wonderful parents, you um, fell in love, got married, had kids, were successful. And yet, none of us is immune to the effects of sin in mm -hmm. our lives and that taking hold. What would you say to the individual that's sitting in the pew um, on Sunday mornings and going home and drinking in their garage? And maybe they haven't lost their house yet, but they need what the mission offers. Don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. you, you can't be afraid. You have to find somebody you can open up with, whether it's a, a yeah. good friend. You can just say, I'm struggling. I need help. And um, you can't wait for somebody else to do it. Yeah. Um, all I can say, I, I've had people ask me, it's like, well, my son or my uncle, or can you talk to them? You know, they need to be sober. It's like the only one that can do that is it's between them and God. Mm. We can't do it. I can't tell somebody you have to stay sober. Yeah. Yeah. You can stay sober for a week, but you're going to go right back to it. Yeah. Unless you want to give it up. Yeah. They have to want to do um, it for themselves. Even the, the mission is great. Um, the, the mission can't do it for you. They mm -hmm. can help you. You have to, if you're already in the mission, ask for help. Don't be mm -hmm. afraid. That's what they want to do. That's what these, uh, Rachel wants to do. That's what mm. um, Ken wants to do. I don't know <laughs> enough yeah. people. Scott, um, Scott Steve, yeah, Scott was Jody, here. Yeah, so yeah. you have to ask. Yeah, you can't be afraid. Yeah. You, if you're struggling, ask. Yeah, yeah. You've got to. You've got to want to. And um, but we're here, and 
and we're here to ride the road with people through the bumps and it's not a straight line up. You know, there's, I'm, I praise God that the day that you came to the mission was the, t- the last time you had a drink. That's mm-hmm. not true for everyone. There are people that stumble along the way. Um, but we want to help pick you back up. Mm-hmm. And if you want help, we're here to offer it. Oh, absolutely. So. We're still in contact with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, I've seen some people that I went through the program with that are um, back to their old habits. Yeah. Um, actually, one of the first days I was staying in the, I, if they still have it at the men's mission, I was in the common area. Yeah. Yeah. And I was reading a paper and I was, it had to be one of the first or second days I was there. I was shaking. I was going through withdrawals. Mm. And I just remember hearing somebody going, hey, just yelling, hey. And it's like, Oh, and I turned and looked and it was this really large guy, bald. And it's like, oh, this is scary. And he said, are you okay? I said, no, I think I'm going through withdrawals. And he just said, you'll be okay. And just um, recently, Big Daddy Weave played a concert at, at, um, is it Ridgeview Point? Ridge Point. Ridge Point Church. And we went to that concert and with another couple, some Uh friends of ours. And we're sitting there waiting for the concert and the security guard comes up to him and they're talking, he's talking to our friends Yeah. and I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and he said, I feel like I know you. I said, I think I know you too. I said, what's your name? He said, Andrew. He said, what's yours, Rob? It's like, where do we know each other from? I said, you're the guy from the mission. And it was him and he was doing security. He's a truck driver now. He's doing really well. And that is so cool. It was so funny. And it's, Oh, I love so, that you shared that. I love that. That's such an encouraging. But it's like that testimony. was the first guy that kind of talked to me. I mean, yeah. he yelled at me and it scared me to yeah. death. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this is a big bald guy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, um, what? that's a great so, story. And we wound up working in the kitchen together. So. Okay. Okay. But, well, that's so. great. Well, I am so thankful that you joined me today. Um, thanks for being the first one to share the where are they now story. Um, and I thank you as a listener for joining us and for, uh, listening to Rob's journey. You know, if you are listening today and you need help and, um, you're not sure where to turn, I hope that you'll reach out to gateway mission. Uh, you can find more information on our website at hopefoundhere.org. And we will have more, um, of these podcasts of encouragement launching in the future. So thank you, Rob. And thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me.